So in other words, our food traditions really sort of outweigh everything else. Like literally people glaze over when you start to talk about heart attacks and how it's associated with the, the gratons that you eat and the boudin that you eat and the hog head cheese. And it's like, you know, you get this real serious dismissal because it, it can't be that. So the food is like so important to who we are that that's that's a real important ingredient, you know, to get where I was. That's Josh Lejani and I'm Brian Felchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me for an episode of the Do A Day podcast. This time, I'm interviewing someone who uh, I'm still giddy that I got to talk to him. This guy, Josh Lajani, um, I heard him years ago on the Rich World podcast and then again on the Rich World podcast. And for those who don't know, that's like, that's my show. That's the show I love to listen to. I get the most inspiration out of. Um, and Josh was one of those guests who just stood out to me because there's so much that I felt in his story about my own. This is a guy who was over 200 pounds overweight. Uh, living in South Louisiana, in a society, in a community that, you know, health and wellness was just not, it wasn't even in the cars. It wasn't something they contemplated. You know, there was a tradition of food and bigness and uh, consumption that just, you know, it didn't lend itself to being the right weight and being healthy. And this is a guy who overcame all that and didn't just overcome it for himself, but he dedicated himself back to the community. which is just, it's inspiring. So I don't want to take too much more time away from hearing Josh's message directly. So I want to jump right into it. But um, yeah, this is, this is a really important show. I mean, this is like when I had the dream for the podcast, Josh was one of those people that I wanted to have on. So I'm psyched to share this with you. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Hey, Josh Lajani, thank you so much for joining me, man. Oh, thanks for having me, bro. This is uh, this is big for me because you were like going back in my story. That first episode you did with Rich Roll was that back in like 2013, I think. Yeah, it was. It was before I did my very first marathon. It was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. You were just, um, you were just like I I felt such a connection with you because you know we both have the obesity backstory. I mean, granted, you've been through a lot more with that than I have, but you've also been through a lot more since then. Which is yeah. just so like you inspire me from the past side and all that you've been doing to date. And I just I was like, if I ever do a show, this is a guy who if I could ever get him on, like that'd be it. So I'm pretty psyched to have you here. Oh man, thanks for thanks for having me. It's cool to be able to, you know, use what's really fun, like making making friends and helping uh people better understand how to, you know, finally break the chains of of obesity and chronic disease yeah and be able to do that and like pound that drum by really sort of um doing something as fun as going out and participating in these races and things yeah you know it's just a real special thing to be able to be of service while doing something that feels so amazing you know to yourself at the same time so, and I learned that from Rich. That's something that Rich always talked about in his podcasts. 
you know, um, he, he did, he, he always was competitive and an aggressive athlete and, and he was serious about his training. And you, re, you read about that in his books and you saw that with his Otillo, uh, effort. That's recently, crazy. Right. He's, there's no half stepping like we're going to do the damn thing. Yet at the same time, he always talked about, and I don't want to get choked up, but like the bigger picture, like your fellow man and you know, your community, your tribe. And sort of being of service to those people uh, in in whatever way, you know, the universe allows you. We don't get to pick those. <laughs> we yeah. don't get to pick those. And so, so really, sort of listening to him and kind of buying into his uh, a, a lot of his uh, thought processes along the way uh, around sort of just being present, being okay with thinking of myself as an athlete because that in and of itself that's huge. It can open doors that I would have yeah. never before that self-framing that's something hey. i talk about a lot like we we hold ourselves back with that or we propel ourselves forward hey right and the surrender like you know surrendering to what is is so much more liberating than trying to construct what you wish was and um right and so so like figuring out how to be happy with the card i'm dealt that is way more mm. powerful than trying to get a different, uh, different hand, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. Josh, I want to, I want to take you back to something you just said. I was going to ask you to go back through your story, but you, you just, you made references to the tribe and the community, you know, all respect to Rich cause he's amazing. And, and you know, we're both fans, but he's in, you know, LA area <laughs> health and wellness is, you know, it's, it's thriving there. That's not you. That's not your background. And so when you talk about giving back to the community, you come from a community that is, I mean, you, you know, you've talked openly about your, your family was in the same place with obesity, everyone around you. I mean, real South. So well, yeah. where well, are you it, coming from? I'm coming like, so just, so what he, what he spoke about was talking to his community where, where you speak the language and Rich does that, you know, except there's a lot more Lululemon and lattes. That's right in his community than in my community. So it wasn't necessarily about, you know, in game, how to craft a message or how to talk about the thing is about really wanting to be of service to your community and kind of, kind of resonate the, these good ideas that we're learning about through a plant-based diet and getting outside and being healthier and more vibrant. Um, you know, trying to get, get that message out um, to your community where you speak the language is important. And I speak the language here. I don't speak the language in Lululemon Latte land. I don't speak the language there. I bet I could get along with people there, obviously, because we have some human commonality. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I get along with Rich pretty good. I mean, we have zero in common. (laughs) You guys have a little bit in common now, maybe not 20 years ago, 10 years ago. But so you're, you're from, you're from Louisiana and people yeah. can't tell from the accent. So give us, give us the backstory. Like, where did you come from? And, you know, when I say we have similarities in that obesity backstory, you know, I talk about being a hundred pounds overweight. You were what, yeah. like 230, right? To overweight. Yeah, Not- well, I mean, it's all, yeah. I mean, once we get over triple digit yeah. excess weight in our bodies, we're all kind of doing the same thing. It's all kind of the same sort of self flogging 
That's yeah. what it's nobody's doing that because they like food so much. Right, right. There's there's a whole other like food there's is, no is a treatment for something else. So what is like I mean, other than deliciousness, what do you think was driving you to eat like that and growing up? I know the you know, the community, the setting was all part of that and there's a consistency there, but what what do you think was making the community sick? Uh I think just sort of a real uh, a real honorable i must say like desire to uphold a bygone um uh not culture because the culture is still here but uh, but sort of to uphold sort of uh bygone traditions yeah um as as like the gold standard prerequisite for being a south louisiana or a cajun like so in other words our food traditions um really sort of outweigh everything else like literally people glaze over when you start to talk about heart attacks and how it's associated with the you know the gratons that you eat and the boudin that you eat and the hoghead cheese and it's like you know you get this real serious you know dismissal because it it can't be it can't be that so what yeah. so so the food is like so important to who we are that that's that's a real important ingredient, you know, to get where I was. It was um, and then upholding upholding like, you know, the real hyper masculine ideals that I saw in like my grandfather or other uncles who were, you know, you know, the, the whiskey drinkers and the womanizers and the hunting and fishing and going to different you know places around the country cutting up having a good time mm. doing these things it's like consuming life right just, just food right and we worked really my grandfather taught her, we worked really hard and then afterwards you know we drank and played i witnessed that from the time before i was able to drink my on my own but i witnessed all of that and and it got very it was normalized like drinking a half gallon of whiskey in a couple of days was a normalized thing most people were like wait you're going to wow. need a half gallon for 2 days and I'm like uh yeah <laughs> you know and it was like a normal deal um and so having all of those things sort of normalized and also um really praised by the other people in the family with with Paul, you're gonna be big just like Bam Bam, who's my grandfather. Or you're gonna be you can out drink Bam Bam or you can you It's know, pride in it. Right. Yeah. And and so I was even bigger than my Bam. My Bam Bam never got up over four hundred pounds, I don't believe. And so, you know, I was I was uh <laughs> I was winning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Josh, uh, there's something you you've talked about before with uh your weight. You know, when people ask me you're like you don't know. Because it gets to a certain point where it's like you just can't even weigh yourself anymore. I mean, logistically is one thing you can't weigh yourself, but the scale's not going to handle it. But then it's also like emotionally, you just can't even see it anymore. It's like it's not it's not real anymore. Yeah, you don't want to know. You don't yeah. want. Yeah, you don't want to see it. Um, yeah, you don't. Want, it was just, it was scary to it was scary to even want to see it. Uh, at at the first time. Uh, because I had been already working out for a while. I knew that the number, I knew that I had no idea where I was starting from. So I knew mm. the number was going to be really big. 
But what did I gauge it against? Because, I mean, I feel like I've done really well. I had been losing. I mean, my clothes were thinner, thinner. I mean, looser. And yeah. so, and to hop on the scale and still see, like, it was, like, a shade under 400 pounds the first time I had ever, like, seen a number on the scale. Yeah. Um, after working so hard for, like, a month and a half. That, that, uh, that was wild. That's the know? thing about huge huge amounts of weight or really any goal that's just like it's astronomical it's like you as long as you look at that total amount you'll never start and if you go back to focusing on like you bust your hump for like you said a month and it's like man i still have like 200 pounds to lose like so it's not 230 anymore 220 or whatever but it's like it's still so daunting so how do you keep yourself moving forward i know you talked about you and your buddy was a jeff you yeah. guys were, you know, he was there with you too. So you, you had, I, I think that's really important having a, a community to support you through it or someone to, that you're accountable to each other. Like, what was it? It's always something different. It, so in the beginning, the biggest thing was for me, I didn't, I wanted to not look so fat when I got my diploma at the end of that year. Right. That's yeah. what drove me all through that summer. That's what drove me to start trying to jog again. I mean, start trying to jog. That's what in like in the middle of 2011 was I didn't I wanted to wear a smaller suit when I was going to have to make my presentations and stuff at the end of that year in 2011. Yeah. And that's what drove me up until then. And then what then that was that came and went and was successful. And, I you know, it was I was down several sizes and I had lost 60 pounds and I was all pumped up. And can I, mean, I say then, something? Can I, can I cut you off? Because I'm. This where I'm getting really curious about is so you had a goal that was it was outside of you and it had a time bound to it. Yeah. So what happens when because this is what, like I lost weight the first time because I didn't want kids in high school to see me as the fat kid. And then I went to right. I, I lost weight and I went to college and no one knew me as the fat kid because no one knew me in college. And yeah. then so like my motivation was gone because I never had anything within me or something that would endure. So you're talking about something that was external and time bound like you you lost weight for your graduation but then how did you keep it going though did you find something new that's what running did that's where everything changed because it was after that after that goal being set and achieved in the process of doing that i started to uh, like flirt with the idea of this crescent city classic 10k Mm. And, and, and I, there was no like purpose behind it. You know what? This might help me with sustainability. If you think about it, <laughs> that was not the case at all. It was scared the living hell out of me. Did you see it as impossible and you wanted to conquer it? Or was it Just, like, Hey man, now maybe I can do this. It felt impossible much the same way me ever getting my degree felt impossible. Okay. And but you yet, had done it. Here I was doing it. Yeah. Like, who am I to say that I can't run a 10K? So what is six miles? Let me go put myself out there and feel that, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and I trained for it. And that's what that process of doing the homework of training and getting up and trying to stretch that mileage and trying to get your form right and figure out what you're going to wear and, and you know, how you're going to prepare yourself. Um, that... That is where all the 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 learning is done for life 
in general, I, f- I think, like to help keep you on on that path. Like it doesn't feel so monumental when you have an excuse to keep doing it because you're training for a race. That's what's happened to me in the, you know, as a side effect of this is. Hmm. So I moved from that one place of wanting to just be less fat in a suit and to where the race coming up was, wow, can I get it done in 90 minutes like this? And I'm like, and then running and it's like, nope, I couldn't get it done in 90 minutes. But maybe if I came back all the way in a year later, a year from now, how could I do? Maybe I could get under an hour. Right. Uh So, boom, there goes a whole year of me not even thinking about not getting fat anymore, not being fat anymore, other than the fact that I knew it would help me to be lighter the more I wanted to run. Right. And so, and so it took that year of me sort of flirting around and trying to figure things out, but really committed to being better at this running thing. And, and then the next year we did the 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 10k in in 60 minutes which worked out and it was just all along the way though running is keeping me sort of hopping from one lily pad to the next of 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 satisfaction and success and new frontiers and all that kind of stuff like it's happening to me now in the world at large of just being and how I'm able to or it looks like I'm going to be able to really scale up my ability to to, uh, you know, to help people in a sense other than bigger than running. Yeah. Or, you know, um, so it's just like Rich when he had his super athletic, you know, venture adventures and he did that stuff and he's like, oh, and he realized in that process there's so much I can do. Yeah. That what he's finally seeing come to fruition is putting that what he felt and learned, I really think, from grinding himself on that millstone of endurance sports and has really sharpened his tool and how and how he can most effectively help lots of people um really reverse what we know is some very uh you know you know quality of life altering um situations like chronic disease and obesity yeah you know you know it's quality of life is is such a crucial one there's a word that comes to me also is like value of life yeah because there's a piece of it that you recognize the value of your own life and then you want better and that's you know hearing your story is like you know you, you started off for wanting to lose weight and and you had the specific goals around um, you know, with your graduation and then with the the first time you did the Crescent City. But, yeah. But then it's like you valued yourself and your life enough to keep wanting to push yourself. And then it was about seeing achievement. Like then it starts to be not just overcoming, but actually like grabbing things. Yeah. Right. And, where's- and there's a, and there's a phase in there where people, people get tired of you. Oh, you still doing that thing? You know? And so there's a phase in there before it becomes permanent, I think, where you get really tested. They thought it was a phase. Yeah. And then people start to really, you know, kind of get irritated. And then, you you know, I could understand how, you know, people people sway on and off uh, sometimes. Yeah. So, hey, you know, you can have a phase for the entire rest of your life. There's nothing wrong with that. It can just be a phase. Yep, that's right. So, you know, what? One of the things that I, I know was really big for you was helping the family around you. So where, was that like, was that your first stop from a community standpoint in terms of giving back? 
Well, it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't really think of myself as giving anything back. I was thinking of myself as, as a member of a family mm. who has seen a lot of hospital stays, a lot of, you know, ICU, CCU, emergency room, nursing home, dementia, Alzheimer's, cancer, a lot of that in my family. I lived that. Yeah whole family like a lot of that's not rare yeah like i mean you're just describing everybody everybody's family yeah. is like that. and after like after what i learned in forks over knives and in reading dr esselstyn's book i mean heart disease alone yeah you know is is just crazy in south louisiana and it's in my family in particular and so when I, you can't unknow those things. Like you read that and then you, and you're like, holy cow. And then you can't, you're not going to not tell your mom or, and, and like not, and, and not take no for an answer. Also, this is not jokey joke. I want to sell you some herbal life. Like this is, this is, this is yeah. right here. This is yeah. information. Um, and so it was really just out of, uh, not trying to be of service or to try to like, you know, I don't know, help. I was looking out for my, my, the people that I love the most. Yeah. It's know? love. It's love. That's, and it's kind of selfish in a way. I mean, cause nobody wants to be lonely. Nobody wants to be, feel like they're apart from the whole. So it's also a way to kind of get them into the, like to habituate them in a similar, in a similar way uh, that you habituated yourself. And so you're not ostracized and you don't feel, you know, apart from your family unit, you know, so it's some very selfish drivers. And for me to get my family on board with eating a, eating a plant-based diet and trying to move and let's get a little, and sort of reorient our ideas around um, health and our familial pro approach to health, you know? Um, so are and, they all, are and, they all vegan they, now? Yeah. What's that? Are they all vegan now? Now, yes. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yep. Yep. Mom, brother, sister, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, my wife, um, my mother-in-law. Yeah. Lots of our friends that, not that they, you know, have gone, oh, you convinced me. No, the dad convinced them. They mm. just, they just read and they look. They're pragmatic human beings who were also tired of watching heart disease, you know, case after case. Um, and family after family around here and like pretending like we don't know what's, what's at the root of it. Yeah. I heard someone talking about cowspiracy the other day and they're like, well, that's all fake. Oh my God. And I'm just like, okay, maybe that one is, which I don't think it is, but, um, let's how about, the of them. Let's, yeah. let's, let's pile them all together. Yeah. It's a different inconvenient truth. You know, oh, yeah. it's not the environmental one, but it's people don't don't want to hear it. And you see, um, you you had uh, you seen fat, sick, and nearly dead, right? You did the Joe yeah, the well, Juicer yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, when he goes to that, there's like some little local diner kind of restaurant, and this you hear the line all the time. It's like, oh well, if I can't eat that, I don't want to live. Yeah, and it's like, come on, like, is your life that miserable that not eating this it's thing that's killing you? Come on. It's not that black and white. That's yeah. what's so Well, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's it's, a continuum. It's like you, you continue to eat that way, and that's fine. But it's not like you're going to just all of a sudden die 10 years sooner than I die. Right. 
that's not how it's going to work. You're going to get high blood pressure. You're going to get repercussions of having that. Then you're going to have to get on medication to try and get that into check, which is also going to bring side effects and different repercussions of that. And yep. then once you're on that and you're identified as a cardiac patient, there's a certain, certain standard of care. There's a certain bevy yep. of meds that you're going to get on default immediately mm -hmm. as soon as you're identified as a cardiac patient because your doctor does not want to get sued. Right. So we'll prescribe all of the things necessary to be able to prove that he was upholding the standard of care. Yeah. And like you go and it's just like you go down this this, um, you know, this rabbit hole. Yeah. Is that once the dominoes start falling, that's it. I mean, you look at Joe in, in the process of, of making the first movie, the pills, like the bags and bags of pills that he yep. was on. And and he weaned himself off on them. I don't think by the end he wasn't taking anything. Yeah. But he's not that he wasn't like ninety years old. He was probably somewhere in his early forties or something when he made the first movie. If uh, I went if I had good insurance, which which I have decent insurance, but if I had really good insurance and a proclivity to go to the doctor's office uh fairly regularly, I would be on tons of medication. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that they can find reasons. Yeah. For me to be on a med. You mean even now? Yeah, of course. Any wow. I think any human that goes to the doctor, if he's like, oh, man, I'm having a bit of a, uh, you know, whatever, a thing. My ankle's been yeah. bothering me. You're going to get a script for something. Yeah. See, I have my annual physical on Friday, so now I'm kind of like, hmm, what's he going to come up with? Yeah. Now I'm curious. You know, yeah. it's not that it's a conspiracy, like they're trying to come up with things, but they just they don't know better. It, they they just the right. They're right. They you write the lawsuits. Yeah. 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 They're complicit. Um, yeah. Uh, but in a more innocent way, because they really are in this, I think, because I know tons of doctors. I've met tons of doctors who are plant based now. I mean, I know most of the doctors I know are plant based doctors. Yeah. Um, but they're all genuinely. Like they all genuinely want to help people like to a fault they, they, who they know that it like especially especially some of these cardio these uh, plant based cardiologists like if anybody has anything to lose uh it's cardiologists like drying up like healing people you know in a massive way um there's so much there's so much like around that disease because it's such a number one killer yeah you know use you if you which think about the power of if like the government started to really get behind okay we need to put everybody on 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 who's a cardiolog a cardiac patient on esselstyn's program and it's a government mandate it's our it's our dollars here's what yeah Man, you would dry up heart disease it would be crazy and to see people, to see people whose livelihoods depend on that, like even Garth Davis, who de he depends on people needing, you know, gastric bypass yeah. surgery. Yeah. But he's a constant. He's if people if he if people would listen to his advice, they would never come he to him. Put him yeah, he put himself out of business. Right. It's yeah. kind of gutsy what a lot of these guys do or doing, I think. And yeah. um, and I think that I think it shows a lot of bravery. And I think it shows a lot of confidence in what is what 
is yet to come that's not even imaginable with our current states of mind, you know, um, when it comes to when it comes to how we're able to uh, to affect health in mass in this country. And, and I think they see, even though they can't really spell it out, I think they can see even more wonderful opportunity than what working on cardiac patients or gastric bypass patients for the rest of their lives uh, would contribute. Yeah, know? yeah. Hey, I, I mean, I think if you hopped in the time machine and went back, what, 15, 20 years, whatever, it's not yeah. just the way you look now, but it's yeah. what the knowledge that you have and the understanding of it. Yeah. That's pretty wild. I mean, is it, is it all from this journey? Like What's you that? just, like everything that, that you're talking about right now and the things that you know, like, yeah, okay. is, is it just the, the more you go down this path, the more you go down this path, like it's self-sustaining? Uh-huh. Oh, I love this stuff. Yeah. Like I, it's, yeah, it's just all of the, the, uh, because I had to really prove to myself that you got to understand how big a meat, how big a deal meat in is in my life. Like, so for me to really like buy into this thing, I I mean, I kind of needed a certain level of understanding to be able to, cause this is pretty life changing socially. Oh yeah. For me, especially, I think, I think it's pretty, I mean, it's, it was, it's very different compared to how I've lived my life up until now, save the last six years. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I feel I feel a certain duty to okay, if I'm going to be an early adopter of this thing, then not only do I want to know enough about it that I can defend myself when people are going, "Well, why the hell are you doing that?" But I also want to know enough about it so in the process of protecting myself, if you will, and trying to earn that level of knowledge, you learn, you know, things snowball and you learn you learn things in that process that you go, wow, not only do I need to know this to rebut, but I need to like actively tell people about these things. Um, and yes, it has helped a lot to befriend people like Garth Davis and Rich Roll and Howard Jacobson in the process. And yeah, I was going to say Howard's how I got connected to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people like Rip Esselstyn and like, and so I live and breathe, um, you know, this world and I, and I love it. I really do. It's, uh, cause it's just so clean and so, so, um, logical and, and accessible to anyone with a grocery store. Yeah. Um, it's just such a liberating thing, I think. And so, and it's just sitting there waiting, you know, to get pushed over the hump and just, you know, kind of realize that tipping point and just kind of let gravity take over because it's such a no brainer. It's such a no brainer. Yeah. If you let the knowledge in, it's a yes. no brainer. Yes. Yeah. It's such a no brainer. Um, but there are more and more like regular old country folk guys who like myself are, are doing the same thing. I mean, we all see people die the same way. We yeah. all the deer camps in the fishing camps around the country and around South Louisiana, we all go to way too many funerals. That is a constant, persistent truth that no one can avoid and no one can can deny. Um, it's and, just a question whether you want to see it, though, because right. I, you know, we 
disagree on how those how those deaths are, you know, you know, manifesting. Um, but I would just encourage you to look at the data and and please, you know, hit me up if you have any questions because I I know some really cool people that will let me bend their ear that yeah. know way more stuff than me. So let's get to the bottom of this. If you think plants aren't the answer, tell so, me. Tell how- me what? <laughs> how are you doing that today? How are you engaging with people to help open up their minds and, and move, you know, oh, move these communities? Like what, tell me about the work you're doing these days. Well, these days I'm working with, um, um, so I'm working with Howard we started a, a, you know, an online sort of lifestyle coaching program that Howard's really just kind of letting me be on board, um, and drag along on his coattails because he is he's phenomenal the dude's he's brilliant awesome and hilarious right and yeah. and so i get to just kind of stumble and bumble and talk to people and be nice to people and howard gets to you know um howard gets to recite you know scientific <laughs> papers and book titles and quotes from books and authors and which he's written or co-written like half right. of them too he's which just, is crazy encyclopedia of behavioral science and it's just so it's just such a fortunate thing but we've you know in the past couple of years we've been able to help a few people um really make some significant changes in their life that is something i'm super proud of before i linked up with howard and was able to do it his way i was doing the best i could to this to just like you know, answer all of the social media um, message, private messages I would yeah. get. And so, and I would do that and I would do that a lot of ways, a lot of times through videos, like, so, cause I, I work. And so I can't always sit down and answer in text um, a reply uh, to a message. And so I found myself using videos, little clips to just say, Hey, I love your question. I hope you don't mind me, you know, popping my face on here real quick. But I just wanted to answer that before it slipped through the cracks because it's very important that I got back to you. And here's blah, blah, blah. Here's why. Here's the thing, whatever the answer to whatever the question was. And um, and so we just sort of modeled a program uh, that kind of mimics that. Like, So it's a lot of little clip videos of me throughout the week and, and, um, and Howard with a lot of uh, – tips and, and like inspirational um homework like things to do to just help keep people help people stay engaged and what i think it does more than anything is sort of create some community around these ideas of these lifestyle and behavior yeah. changes that are necessary to manifest these utopian outcomes that we dream of uh and, and you know yeah. something than what we have yeah so anyway, but yeah, so doing that and that has really led us to other places um, where we've we found ourselves with a tech company out of um, out of California uh, called Wellstart Health that really wants to like sort of merge what we're doing with the technological, uh, you know, uh, capacity that they have created with their with their online platform. So that's really exciting. It seems like a real way to scale up even more how many people we can get the real simple plants and running message to. Um, 
Plants and running. That's I love that. Two words. That's all you need. There's there's some nuance to it, and that's why you know we have we have some explanation and we have some specificity that we we break it down to. But you know we do a lot of uh, like group meetings online, so we can all see each other and talk and encourage each other. And that that stuff is is really really been awesome. And to to be able to have this uh, what will be an app basically house all of the content that that uh, Howard mainly has created uh, with our program is phenomenal. I mean, holy cow, because I ran a half marathon one time (laughs) and sent it to Rich Roll on Twitter. All of this stuff has come into my life. Like it's the most amazing thing. That's incredible. Holy cow. We're, we talk about science all the time and reading abstracts and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm going to be a named, a named, researcher on a scientific uh work that's coming out we're working with um a team to you know do a proof of concept study a a randomized controlled trial of our like protocol um and in how effective it it will be in uh type 2 diabetes which i know exactly it'll be (laughs) it's going to be incredibly effective yeah we do it all the time yeah (laughs) So but you're going to have the scientific proof that people can't just claim this, that, or the other thing about. So that has been an arduous undertaking. Like I had no idea. And I see how, even if it's not in a corrupt capacity, money makes science go smoother, you know, cause we were really kind of bootstrapping this thing. And, um, you know, if we had, if we had deep coffers, not that anybody, not that, not that it was, not that bribes would be needed or anything. Just it could get done better because you could just throw more resources at it, more researchers, more people, more more project managers, more more people, you know, um, following up at a at a at a more intense uh, rate or something. I I don't know, but you could see how money makes makes uh, scientific studies go round. Yeah. And and that's just a that's been a real, you know, you hear it in the abstract, but until you see it um which in you know, with your own eyes, it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. I get it. Okay, this is how so much science is industry funded because right. you need you need industry dollars. Big bucks. Yeah. Right. To do these things and jump through all of these hoops and do all of this IRB stuff. And like, and it's all necessary. Like you need all, everyone needs the, all of the training that we had to do to, and so you need all of that stuff, but it's it just, you can see how, um, you know, you can see how money helps. Is sure. it, is it hard in, in the plant-based space? Because it's not like if you're doing something that's pharmaceutical based, there's a company that's going to, sell the drugs and, and make billions of dollars. You're talking about not, you're talking about, you know, not eating this or that, not eating the things that are heavily subsidized, you know, by the U S government or, you know, with, with, with big food behind it or what you're like, where's the money come from then? Is it people who believe? Yeah. It's, it's just right now it's just being funded by Wellstart. <laughs> okay. Because it fits in with what their corporate message is. Yeah, their tech platform. Okay. It's a tiny entity, you know? So um, it's definitely a bootstrapping situation. Uh, But it's a start. 
it's a start. And, yeah. and but we have, I tell you, it's it's more than a start. We're 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 uh, you know we're going to be um, you know submitting everything Wednesday. So it's things wow. are moving quite nicely, I must say. And uh, we have a crazy team of the most amazing humans, and I'm just. It, I just can't wait for everyone to be able to get the credit they deserve and, and uh, what I know is going to be an awesome contribution to yeah. the science on a plant-based diet. Well, so Josh, this is the thing. It's like you, if, if we plot your course, it started with just you in 2011. And that, that was my wake-up moment too. So I was like, I didn't even realize the overlap in the timing. So feeling even more connected to you right now, but it was you and then it was your family and then it was the people around you and then the people that were attracted and then, right. you know, through these connections that you start building there through Rich, through Howard, through all these people, then it's a broader community through the, the coaching work that you and Howard are doing. And now with this app and this platform, mm -hmm. you have the capacity. It sounds like, you know, in the very near future, there's going to be a capacity to hit such a scale of impact. I'm, I'm unbelievably excited for you and for those lives because there's a lot of impact and, and better that's about to happen for people who desperately need it. That's unbelievably exciting. Um, I, I have, I've stopped trying to guess at what's next. I just, I just, uh, wake up every day and, yeah. and um, set my feet on the ground and, and try to eat what's on my plate that day, you know? Yeah. And, um, and wonderful things have sort of popped up serendipitously along the way and I just couldn't be more thrilled and and it's just me following what my mentor you know and just um, told me what a mandate that Rich gave me and that last the last thing he said in that first interview was you know I could see you being like Phil standing out and t showing people how to strip kale uh at the local grocery I love that and, yeah yeah, and it really resonated with me. I was like, you know what? You got a point. Why not? Yeah. Why not? If I'm learning all of this stuff, you're right, Rich. Why not? Why am I not in front of people telling them how to avoid heart disease and um, obesity and yeah. all of the other things that make our life less awesome, you know, down here? This is a great place to live. Um, and, and, I don't think most of us get to live enough in it. You know, mm. we, we wind up existing and riding in the boat, riding on the four wheeler, riding in the pickup truck. Um, but while we are really miserable, instead of being able to use our two legs and really cover some ground around the swamps and levees and bayous and coastal, uh, you know, highways, and just really live here, you know, yeah. in, a, in a more evolutionary sense, like animals. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And shoehorn those activities into our otherwise mundane, very man-made lives. And and let's see what let's see what comes out the other side. I argue, I submit that that we would be a lot happier, a lot healthier, and a lot finance and a lot a lot better off financially as a country. Yeah, if I totally agree. I mean, I think what you're talking about is how most people go about their lives is this kind of mindless day in, day out. You just, yeah. you just do it without really thinking about it. You're not actively making choices. A lot of what you do, you feel obligation to instead of 
ownership of. Yep. And so you end up just falling into it. And, you know, you're talking about all these like mechanized ways of getting around. People hear like, oh, I'm going here. I'm going, oh, that's really far away. Things aren't all that far away when you run there. That's one thing I learned is like, you know, growing up the fat kid, every like go to play at your friend's house two blocks away is like, can you drive me there? <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's two blocks, like, because it's a slog when you're fat and you're walking and it's hot. Yep. But if you get yourself moving, even if you get on a bike, like not everyone can run. And I get that, you know, especially in the obese community, like if you have diabetes, there could be issues with your feet, like, you know. Sure. So do something, do something that you love that involves movement and involves engaging your body. And that, that releases things chemically, but also just potential wise. But do it with the veracity when yeah. you can. Do it with the veracity of what running would otherwise do to your body. Yeah. Need those intense spikes. And that's what I tell people all the time. Like, that's fine if we can only walk. I'm not dismissing walking at all. That is amazing. That is perfect. That's exactly what we're talking about. That is great. But every now and then, we need to, like, spike it, challenge that. Yeah. You know, maybe walk like you're about to have a diarrhea fall over yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know, trying to hurry up and make it to the bathroom. Like, whatever you need to tell yourself. To do a little game where you could give me 30 seconds of everything you got. Yeah. And we can go back to relax, you know, but we just need to do that every now and then, I think. Um, uh, and that that's all. It's not about running ultra marathons. That's what I do. That's, that's, that's not, I'm not trying to turn people into that. <laughs> yes. I want to ask you the ultra marathons because we've only hit on the half marathon and you've done so much more. What, what's the longest that you've done at this point? A uh, hundred mile race. One. Wow. And, and between marathon and hundred miles, there been stuff in between. Oh yeah, uh, I went fifty k, hundred k, then a fifty mile race, um, and then, uh, then after that race, which was in early two thousand sixteen, I, I decided to run my my first hundred miler. I picked it in September, and I spent the whole summer getting myself ready for that hundred mile race. Lots of big hundred mile weekends and yeah. heat training and weighted vest in the middle of August eighteen mile oh, runs around New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> That's serious. Yeah, stuff like that. I spent the whole summer doing that to get ready for my hundred mile race, which I did in September of 2016 and did pretty well. I was pretty pumped. I wanted to get in under 24. I got in under 23 with 22. A twenty-two forty-five. Um, so that was awesome. Yeah, and, and uh, I still the BQ still eludes me. Yeah, um, the Boston qualifier. That's the, that's the only thing people get happy about getting older for. Yeah, well, I'm I'll be older. I'll be three fifteen this year instead of three ten. Um, but that's still uh, fast. It's that's, still pretty damn fast. See, look, I'm I'm from Boston, so I grew up here in low to like low to mid twos and you know in the 80s people weren't quite down into the single digit twos yeah um so my first like close friend to run boston ran in like four something and i got this look on my face like oh my god what happened to you did you like when where did you fall are you okay not realizing that most like the average marathoner is not under four hours so, so low threes is, you know, for, for people who only know marathons from watching like those six Africans who come in at like 203 or whatever, right at the front. 
that's not reality for the thousands of people who come after that. So, yes. man, 305, 315, that's serious speed. Yeah. And then, um, but I feel like I can, I feel like I can do it. Uh, I wouldn't bet against you, Josh. I'm yeah, just... I was feeling really good um, in Liverpool. I just, I was kind of hurt and then just kind of, I kind of blew up in those little hills. There's yeah. only about 900 feet of gain in that race. Uh, but it all came in a, in a lump. No, it no. just kicked my ass. I mean, I'm just not used to, I'm not used to trying to run at that pace and have hills. And which, hills. Okay. Um, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how slow I could take the uphill. I didn't know how hard I need to run the downhill. And mm -hmm. it, it really kind of messed me up, messed my rhythm up. I wound up pushing too hard, too early and running, you know, way too hot and kind of blowing up about the halfway mark instead of like hmm. 20 or 22. All right. Yeah. And so I fought and fought and fought. I was still on PR pace until about B BQ was gone at about mile 15. Oh, man. And then I knew by the way I was feeling. It wasn't technically gone yet, but I knew it was gone. Well, was yeah. Gone. You had experience. No, yeah. And then I was like, well, maybe a PR. But then by mile 22, a PR was out. Yeah, I was I was walking in mile twenty two. Is all I could do to just stay on my feet. Oh, and, uh, yeah, it was pretty rough. But I, I I know there's a bunch of things I did wrong. Bunch of things I did wrong, and so I I I, I I've identified them, and and I'm looking forward. I got another race. Um, I've got my next hundred mile race on my schedule, and and um, my next Boston attempt on my schedule so would you ever do boston for a charity to get around the need to be q or do you want to do it like oh no. you want to yeah, do a cure the charity of course i would want to run for charity but, but you, you still know, want, want to be q yeah there's something about like going from being over 400 pounds to being able to not only be a runner who lost a lot of weight but to be a guy who boston qualified yeah i mean I, that's the ultimate yeah 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 you know it might not be for the right reasons but but, you know, it kind of makes you want to, you know, it just it feel it would just feel good because I know some I understand some, some fast guys really look down their nose at you sometimes. Uh huh. Um, but not I mean, most of them, most people are really good guys, but they're, you, you know, it's subtle. Um, but fast guys tend to kind of look down their nose at you when you kind of a newbie and you thinking that an eight minute pace is fast and. Like, you know, all of those kinds of things, relatively speaking, like when we talk about road running and marathon running and all. And uh, I, I feel like like taking up for those new guys um, by being able to beat some of those fast guys. That would be fun. You know, I love that. And, yeah. and so it kind of drives me and that might be unhealthy. I don't know. I don't really give a damn. That's, that's, that's what's OK. Probably, that's what drives me. Yeah. That's probably why I got hurt. <laughs> but I will drive myself into the ground. Well, at least, you know, like, like with Liverpool, if you, if you have, you know, maybe failure is too strong of a word, but a tough go where you don't get where you're trying to get to. And it's wasteful. just, yeah. but if you learn from that, then it's okay. If you, if it's just a blind failure or you can't get past the anger of it to see like, could I have done this differently? What, you know, what can I take away from it? Then it's a true failure to yourself. Yeah. This injury that i've been through since like since liverpool you know it's been the most gut-wrenching 
heartbreaking thing for me to endure um, in, you know, mid to late 2017. But as I'm moving through it and and how it has changed me as a runner, not only in my physical form and how I'm trying to execute my runs, but also in my mindset around how I think about my body and listen to my body. I feel like I'm a more mature runner and I feel like the training that I am doing is is more likely to be able to be sustained over the long term, you know, which I think will ultimately make me a better, especially distance runner. And and um, therefore, this injury, it might have been the best thing that ever happened to me in my running. Yeah, I understand and to be able to couch things like that to yourself is crucial. Uh, otherwise, you wind up being under a black cloud perpetually, you know? that Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with you. Um, I want to ask you a kind of, I feel like I'm geeking out on the running side too much for what people might want to hear, but I don't care. I get to talk to you, so it's my choice. Um, what was, what's your favorite distance, but also what's your favorite dis- distance to train for? And I'm curious if they're the same or not. Yeah, I would say that my favorite distance to race would probably be like the 30 K, I mean, a, a 50 K to 50 miler or something, something in that range. That's so an ultra. So an ultra. Yeah. I, um. Uh, I, I I can't say that a hundred mile is my favorite distance because I've done it once. Yeah, you need some more experience to know. And completely crushed my soul. Yeah. Yet at the same time teased me a little bit as to how, you know, ooh, you think you can do that again? You know, so um yeah, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I love those long I love those sort of long races that wind up going to take you, you know, five to eight hours. Or yeah. Um, as that's like putting in a day's work for me. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoy a race taking that long and the distance that you have to cover to get it done. Usually the scenery that you get to, to get to, you know, see while you're, while you're getting it done. So long you've taken so much and these things aren't done typically in grotesque places. No, they're usually done in beautiful state yeah. parks vistas and stuff and so yeah it's amazing I, I that's my that's my favorite now my favorite race to train for um i would have to say is probably the 100 mile race because i am a glutton for big mileage mm-hmm. that usually means lots of group runs that usually means you know because you usually do lots of long runs when you run in those big miles and that means lots of contact time with your friends that you run these crazy races with um, well you're sort of getting in your favorite yeah. race distance as part of your training every yeah. time yeah all and right so, and you, the trickiest part for me is to develop that sort of slow it down vibe that has to happen in ultras you know people mm-hmm. who consider themselves fast on the road um i find a lot of times have trouble uh converting that to to the ultra distance not all of them but they're 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 a lot of times you know wanting to run wanting to run like they run on the road in an ultra and look there are many guys that 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 can do that they're they're beasts but usually people are going to slow down a lot and um and so you know me just sort of 
understanding that I want to do these things until I'm 85 years old and, and that, uh, you know, the, my longevity in this and my sustainability in this outweighs everything else. Um, has accidentally has that accidentally brought me to a position to probably be more competitive than I ever have been before because I'm gonna, you know, go a lot slower in these ultra distances um, in the beginning, and I'm looking forward to how that's gonna affect what I'm able to do in these races races overall. So I'm yeah. really pumped, I'm really pumped. Uh, to, to be getting back to it. But yeah, I love the 50 K ish. They're just a little further than a marathon. Yep. Um, but, but when it comes to training, I love the big mile weeks. I hear I you. Weeks. You know, I'm wondering, and I know we got to wrap this up, but there's something that's sticking in my head when you keep talking about sustainability. And I wonder if for those of us who have been through obesity and you know, a lot of people lose weight, gain it back. I mean, I, I gained back half of it before I had my wake up moment in 2011. But once you get over that and you feel like you've transformed. And so this isn't like I used to say, I spent the first half of my life obese and the second half trying not to be, which is yeah. like, if you think about that, that's pretty terrible. Who wants to spend their yeah. life trying not to be fat? But once you get over that and it's just like, no, I'm just a healthy person, then it seems to me like so much is about sustainability. Like, I just had knee surgery last fall and people are like, Oh, you know, how much are you running now? And, and I tell them like, I'm up to two and a half miles in a run. And they're like, that's it. You know, so many months later, I was like, yeah, because I'll add maybe a 10th of a mile a week, maybe. Cause I'm not trying to, to get to a marathon tomorrow. I'm trying to run for the rest of my life. Like right. that, that, that need to stay in this healthy place and have sustainability. And like, I'm not a fat guy. I'm not doing this to lose weight. I'm doing this for lifelong enjoyment. Do you feel that? Yeah, it, it takes and it's a learning process because there's a lot of, you know, as a fat guy, you worry about what other people think a lot. I know I do. Yeah. I hope, and, and it's it's a it's just something that happens because do you I mean, still? Yeah, I, I do. I, I do. I think about what other people think about me uh, way more than what is probably recommended for a, a healthy individual, I would say. Looks wise or, or are you just saying in general? Um, Both. Yeah. yeah both. Because I know I mean, you know, I know there's there are the really uber fit people out there who go, look at it. Look at this dude. He's not fit. Like I'm because I'm I'm not. I mean, I might be like 15 percent body fat, 12 percent body fat. And I'm kind of weird, deflated, jiggly yeah. around midsection, and we're you know, similar, so, man. Right. So I feel yeah. like a bit of a fraud when people call me weird names, like you know, uh, whatever, um, you know, and and so or or say something about me being fit or or whatever. However, I, they pres presume I look, uh, you yeah. know, without clothes on. Yeah. And, uh, that, that, uh, I know that the really super fit people look at me and go, hey, you know, it's not very much, but then there's also other people that go, boy, I wish, you know, I wish I could, I wish I, it, they, that would be super inspired by understanding that golly, he's where I am. He was where I am now. And even though he looks a little funny, you know, I would take that over this. Yeah. And, and so so being able to like I know people are thinking about me and 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 I might be hypersensitive to it as an ex fat person. That's so what maybe, I'm wondering. Yeah. 
yeah, maybe not as many people think about it as as what I'm imagining, but I'm sure some still do anyway. Do you and, still see yourself as a fat guy? Yeah, a lot of times That's, I do. Yeah. I do um, until I see myself. Yeah. But sitting in a truck or and I feel my fat, I feel those yes. like plated rolls, you know, around From my mid down. Boom! If someone snapped their fingers and all the clothes in this truck disappeared, I would look ridiculous, you know, because <laughs> yeah. all my lit up belly and my lap and you know my deflated thighs and stuff. And so yeah, I have those issues. I'm you know, uh, yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah. And it's it's more about how we deal with those things because they never go away. It's like True. once I get over these body image issues, I'll be fine. No, it don't work that way. Yeah. We don't ever- arrive if we don't ever arrive it's about processing it's about how you can process what's coming at you today and 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 you know you know have a really sort of a you know have a have a uh i don't know we just came full circle because where this whole thing started was this idea that like seeing yourself as an athlete yeah um and that's exactly where we're right back to is you know yeah. the, the body is still what it is there's there's the baggage we carry with us from when we were the fat guy or the fat kid or you know whatever and and we maybe we're projecting that judgment on us but like on behalf of other people and they may not think anything but we just we think they are or we're, cuz we're not comfortable with it yeah but the freedom of being like yeah and that guy who's thinking that about me I can school him he cannot run what I can do can't touch this yeah it's like, you know, and that's one of the things that drove me. It's like, yeah, I might be 200 because at the time, like whatever I might have been weighing at the time, I might be 250 pounds or 230 pounds or whatever and still flabby because, boy, from the 280 range all the way down to the 200 range, I was super flabby. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. I had lost a whole bunch of weight. I should have been really awesome and I should have felt really good about myself, but I was the flabbiest I'd ever been because I was so deflated mm-hmm. at that point, you know? Um, and so I used to think to myself, yeah, you know, he might, he might just, he might've just beat me by nose at the finish line, but he's not running with all of this extra weight. Right. Or, right? You get a, you get a handicap it for that. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then to know, you know, like I may not have, abs or you know want to walk around in a speedo but uh you know i can run a you know a 1910 5k wow I used to weigh 420 pounds and i'm a, i'm still like six six three and a half and 190 or so i mean um, you're you're a lie first of all like you know a sentence that starts with i weighed 400 and whatever pounds yeah. like <laughs> But you, you're, I'm, you're such an inspiration, man. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get all this out of you, and um, and I'm so right there with you at the same time. But there's something really liberating about, like, I, I keep telling people the first time I called myself a runner, I was alone. I was on the phone with someone, and I like looked around, like someone caught me saying that, like they're gonna, they're gonna call me out for lying. I felt so I a uncomfortable. Good friend of mine, we were on our way to brunch, and I had started losing weight, but I hadn't started running yet. Uh-huh. No, I had started running, but I was just jogging. I was just using running as a weight loss tool back then. And we were coming back from brunch, and there was a person running up Magazine Street, and they had a a a, a, a 
a belt on with bottles. And I looked over at my buddy Nick and I was like, bro, if I'm ever running so far that I need belts with bottles on my waist, I was like, I come it. up me and smack me in the back of the head and tell me to snap out of it. Yeah. And, and it, like, it wasn't three months later and I'm, you know, running with a bottle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I know you probably got bottles and backpacks and I got backpacks and hand bottles. bottles. And I just yeah. went up all my tailwind. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's all. Yeah. And I mean, with all the spandex too, I'm also into road cycling and yeah, yeah there's plenty of people. I'm like, I would never be caught dead in that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's me. You can see the chamois. That's the only thing that's protecting any any inappropriateness. Uh, it's probably inappropriate as is, but bought a pair of running tights this weekend. I was going to try. There you them. go. And and uh, I busted a hole in them as I was putting them on. <laughs> so tight. And and so and I looked in the mirror and it's like a piece of my ass cheek was poking out like a like a mushroom was oh, sticking man. through this hole in these these tight ass running shorts. I was like, this is the dumbest thing, boy. And uh, had to go with the old trusties mm-hmm. <laughs> to get rid of these new ones. I got a I got a pair of inch and a half. Uh, they may even only be an inch, like running shorts uh, to try and and write a review of a few years ago. And I'm mm-hmm. supposed to post pictures of me in them on social media. And I'm just like, this is just not like, this is not what anyone should be seeing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I did. I, I, I even like, I fired up the camera while I was on the treadmill. So there's a running video, which actually was a little better because you couldn't totally see anything because it was moving too much. Yeah. That was probably <laughs> for the best. Yeah. Um, all right. We could keep going making fun of ridiculousness that we then. Uh, ourselves bought and used and poked out of or whatever. Um, Josh, you're awesome. I, I, I'm so thankful that you said yes. I couldn't believe, you know, I, I pressured Howard to, uh, to introduce you and I was like, well, he's never gonna, Howard will never do it and you'll never say yes. But, um, Howard didn't do it. And I was like, well, look, it's not happening. I might as well say it again. So I did. And he was like, oh yeah, I meant to do that. And you wrote right back, man. That was, uh, I think I woke my wife up to go tell her. I was like, you'll never believe this. Um, so thank you so much for, for doing this. It just means the world to me. And there's so much inspiration that you're putting out there. And with such passion, like, that's what I love about it is you're like, it's, it's hard not to be fired up by it. There's a, um, there's a lot to be passionate about in this world, in this day and age that we live in. So like that, there's a lot to be passionate about. We should all be more passionate. And get to be passionate about what you're doing, which is what I keep hearing from you. And so many people aren't. Yeah. And that's if, if like, if they take nothing else from this, the fact that like, I mean, look at where you came from and while you had love and you, you know, you, you cared about your community and all that, but you also had what was really a death sentence in a lot of ways Yep. and a lack of opportunity. And you look at what you've created out of that. And the fact that like, I mean, I, I just, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I keep picturing you like busting out of bed in the morning because you can't wait to get going enough yeah. like with all that you're achieving. And that's like, I hope people feel that is like, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. You can overcome it and you can like actually just have a life that's beautiful and is filled with like what you wish you were doing with yourself. That's completely yeah. possible. 
But it doesn't it it, it it doesn't happen without scary moments and times of uncertainty. Yeah, which end and, up being good. Right, which end up being yeah. good. Because everyone they they say, Okay, I'm gonna do this thing. And the minute it gets hard, they go back to the old thing. Yeah. And the heart will keep coming, like you said with your injury. It's like it's, it's not like lot. you got over it and it's done and now it's all fine. It's like you oh. still have struggles. It's exactly right. It's about it, life in a lot of ways is about the adversity. It's not about, you know, the peace. Yeah. You don't get muscles by not challenging your muscles. You get to put weight against them. You get to yeah. strain them. That's how yeah. you grow. That's it. That's it. Josh, I love it, man. Thank you. I, I feel like we could just keep throwing out little inspirational quotes <laughs> here and there. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to let you go. Thank you once again for joining me. And, um, oh, I didn't even say where can people find you, right? JoshLajani.com. Yeah, joshlajani.com is the, and then you can catch me on all my social media from there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just go to my website and I got my mom's, actually got my mom's gumbo recipe up there. If you're interested in what gumbo tastes like without meat in it. I was going to ask um, vegan gumbo. Yeah, it's really good. And, uh, and I have a, uh, a little, a little PDF that I share to just kind of give everybody my general sort of, attack uh protocol when it comes to getting food i call it making groceries and uh you just how how to how i like navigate the grocery store mm. and, and eating throughout the day you know finding acceptable snacks and different things like that and that's um, all on your website yeah that's on my website just check it out and stay tuned we got a lot cooking yeah there's a ton and this app is going to be coming out the research is coming down i'm excited for you it's going to be awesome, man. Josh, thank you again for being on. And um, we, we keep hitting on this theme, but it's, it's perfect because that's how I like to end it. Today is a new day. Just do it. Good. Good stuff, man. Wow. I like, for those who don't know, I am such a huge Josh Lajani fan. I mean, that's a guy who has been inspiring me for a while now, at least a couple of years, maybe. No, not a couple, like four or five, actually. Um, since that was his first episode on Ritual Podcast, this is a guy who I'm just like, I just connected, you know? Um, there's, there's too much overlap in our stories, in the, the feelings, all of it. It's just, um, it's been really powerful for me. I hope that you got some of that too. I mean, what he has been through, you know, the sheer amount of weight that he's lost, the sheer amount of, struggle and barriers that he's overcome i mean it's it's not just the 230 pounds that was on his body that he was struggling against it's a whole system it's a culture it's a society and he didn't just change himself he has committed himself to changing that culture and that society for the sake of everybody's survival and that's like god you know talk about a purpose so just humongous amounts of respect for josh and um he makes it so simple and you can think it isn't, but it actually is. It's two words, plants and running. Like that's it. That's, that's the magic. You know, it's just plants and running and be consistent with that. You know, don't, uh, don't strive for perfection. Just be consistent on that simplicity and you get there. And he gives so much of himself with that veracity he talks about. Um, you can get so much of that from joshlajani.com. It's J O S H. L-A-J-A-U-N-I-E dot com. 
Hey, I love that making groceries. You go and get that making groceries guidance so you can get some help in how to navigate the grocery store and make sure you're making good choices there. Because that it's not the easiest thing in the world. If you're going it alone, if you're feeling lost, and he puts in the effort to help you get there. Um, so, you know, follow Josh, check out his website. He's he's doing so much work. Uh for your better for your betterment, for your benefit. So Give the guy your support because he's supporting you and society as a whole. So I'm a huge Josh Lajani fan, and I have a feeling everyone who listened to this is as well. So in addition to following Josh, you can follow me at Brian Falchuk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Of course, check out brianfalchuk.com. I get all my articles up there so you can find some inspiration from my work. Um, and if the message of do a day is inspiring you, then by all means go to doadaybook.com and you can pick up the book. You can read more of the articles. You can get more of these podcast episodes. And yeah. You know, you're listening right now. Are you subscribed? You know, how do you know when a new episode's coming out? There's more inspiration, more people like Josh that you need to listen to for your own sake. So definitely subscribe to the Do A Day podcast on iTunes, on you know, whatever platform you want to listen on. And please, you know, if you like what you're hearing, give us a review. It really helps spread the message, helps get things around. And um, I'm just thankful that you listen today. I hope that you're thankful as well. I have a feeling you are because Josh is just, he's that kind of guy. You know, you can't, you can't help but feel inspired by it. So with that, I will say goodbye. And keep on doing it, my friends.